we're starting a new series today as a church called The Light Has Dawned, uh, a new Christmas series. And this morning I want to um, actually jump into Scripture here really quick. And, uh, but before I do, I want to give you some context to this story that we're going to be reading um, in Scripture. Uh, this story that we're going to be reading takes place 40 days after Jesus has been born. Um, he's uh, this baby that's fully human, fully God. Um, I don't know if maybe some of you have a five-week-old baby, or maybe you remember what having a five-week-old baby was like, but that's kind of the age where they're just, they've lost all the, the, that newborn smell. They've lost all the, you know, that, the, the wrinkly nose and the wrinkly toes and fingers. That's all gone now, and they're, they're, their eyes are getting color, and they're starting to see, and they're starting to follow people around, and they're starting to smile and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's kind of where Jesus is at here, and... Uh, and what's happening is Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, are headed to Jerusalem. And they're, they're going to Jerusalem for a reason. And, and the reason is they're going to present Jesus um, at the temple. And as they walk into the temple courts, this is the story of, of what happened that day. The Bible says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the the Lord's Messiah. Just a quick side note this morning. This isn't where we're going to be going, but this is a great picture of faith right here. Here's this guy who is eagerly awaiting. He's eagerly waiting a promise that God has has made to him. I just find that so interesting because sometimes in our lives, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I've definitely seen this where... God makes a promise or he says something about himself and it's just, it's not being fulfilled. And what happens is our waiting turns to anything but eager. It turns to doubt or it turns more to maybe even just forgetting that God made the promise in the first place. Or maybe it turns to um, just thinking that God doesn't care. He's just up there doing something else. He's, he's preoccupied with, with more important matters. But not Simeon. He's eagerly waiting Staying in a place of faith. And just a quick question. Where has your eager waiting for a promise turned into something else? Where has God made a promise in your life and you at one time were like full of anticipation, eagerly waiting, but now that's just turned into something else? Just because the promise hasn't yet been realized does not mean that God is not in the process of making that promise come to fruition. If God's made a promise, he's going to keep it. And what he requires of us is to stay in faith, eagerly awaiting God to come through like he promised he would. Back to our story. So here's, here's Simeon. He is eagerly awaiting for God to keep his promise. And little did Simeon know, but God had actually been preparing for this promise to come to, to, to pass from long before he was, was even born. And now God is in the final stages of preparation. God had brought this young couple together, Mary and Joseph. Then God had shrunk down, 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 down until he was inside of Mary's womb, growing. And, and now he's just sent choirs of angels to declare his birth. And then one day, as this guy Simeon is just going about his regular duties at the temple, he gets this nudge in his spirit, deep down in his soul that this particular day is going to be the day that he has been waiting for. He's going to see the Messiah. 
The Bible says that that day the Spirit led him, led Simeon to the temple. And, and I don't know what is going through his mind at this, this point as he's been in eager anticipation. And now here he's getting this nudge that the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, this is the day. You know, he's probably expecting that he's going to walk through the courtyards and maybe he's going to come across this man who's like this strong leader who's, who's maybe got a, some, some guys around him. He's forming an army because he's going to take on the Romans and he's going he's to defeat the Roman Empire. He's probably expecting somebody who's just this, this, this ready-to-conquer kind of war hero type, type of person. But he's, what he's not expecting is that he's going to walk across that courtyard and that he's going to see this young, impoverished couple carrying a baby in their arms and God is going to whisper to his soul and say, see that baby? That's him. That's, that's the, the Messiah, the one you've been eagerly waiting for, the Savior of the world. And this is exactly what happens. Next, the Bible says, so when Mary and jo- Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And I love what Simeon does next here. Uh, even though the promise wasn't, Anything like it, he thought it was going to be or anybody in Israel thought it was going to be, he, he knows the voice of God, and without hesitation, the Bible says, he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed as they're looking at their baby boy. They're amazed at what was being said about him. Simeon is, is literally overcome with worship. I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where God has made a promise, and when that promise comes to pass, it's just like you're in awe, you're in worship at the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And that's Simeon here, but little does he know, or maybe he knows, but but the God that he's worshiping, he's He's literally holding this God in, in his arms. It's a crazy scene. And then Simeon's tone, actually, it changes from worship to something else. And, and God opens his eyes to not just who this child is, but also what this child means for humanity and specifically what this child means for Mary. Uh, Simeon sees into this baby's future, and what he sees is not only the blessings that this baby's going to bring, but he also sees the conflict, and the pain that this baby is going to bring. The Bible says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he, he, he continues saying to Mary, And a sword will pierce your very soul, looking ahead to the day when Mary is standing at the foot of the cross, watching as her son is being nailed to a tree. And in this brief moment that probably, it probably happened in under uh, a minute, Simeon captures so many of the reasons why Jesus came um, and why it's such a big deal. He tells the baby's parents and the rest of humanity um, exactly why he, he came. And there's a lot of different reasons why Jesus came. Some of them are captured here. He came to be a light. He came to reveal God. He came to bring salvation. Um, Some of these reasons are well known. Other reasons are not so well known. 
But over the next several weeks, here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to dive into why he came. We're going to look at, at, at some of the big reasons why he came. And this morning, the reason that I want to look at is, is actually hidden within this passage that, that we just read. And, and the reason is this. Um, Jesus came to reveal truth. He came to reveal truth. Think about it. Simeon said he's going he's gonna to cause the fall as well as the rise of many. In 1 Peter, Jesus is referred to as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And what are people going to stumble over? What are they going to be offended by? It's not going to be by his kindness. It's not going to be by his love. It's not going to be by the good things he does, his grace. They're going to stumble over truth. And we see this happening um, over and over and over again as Jesus is walking um, on this earth. He heals on the Sabbath, living in light of the truth that, that God has created this day of rest to be life-giving, to be restorative, to be healing. But the religious people had come along and they had twisted the day to be something else, to be about burdens, to be about following this long list of rules and traditions and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus comes along and, and, and what he does is he heals on the Sabbath. He lives in a way that lines up with truth. And what happens, they, they get offended by, by the truth in action. Then there's all the ways that his teaching caused the fall of many people. One time, Jesus was, was teaching some challenging truth, and the Bible says that after he had finished teaching, many of the disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? He knew that truth is offensive. Truth was, was hard for them to hear. And then just moments after Jesus asked them if they were offended, the Bible says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The truth caused them to, to fall away. And then there's, there's the part where, where Simeon prophesies how Jesus is going to be a sign from God revealing the deepest thoughts of many hearts. And nothing reveals your deepest thoughts like the truth. Remember that story in the Bible where, where Jesus, just before he's going to be um, led to the cross, he is brought before Pilate. He's brought on trial before this guy named Pilate and him and Pilate have this back and forth exchange, and um, uh, Pilate is, is, is asking him if he's a king, and Jesus responds by saying his kingdom's from another place, and, and thinking that Pilate had, thinking that he'd caught Jesus admitting that he was a king, which would have been a treasonous act back in ancient Rome, uh, Pilate looks at Jesus and says, um, so you are a king. And Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That is an emphatic truth statement that he is making, not only to Pilate, but to all of humanity. Whoever is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is the truth? And then he proceeds to have Jesus flogged and nailed to a cross. You see, Jesus, the one who is truth, was revealing Pilate's deepest thoughts. And it might have looked to people like, like there's a trial going on, and maybe Pilate is actually trying to get to the truth here, and he's trying to really figure out who Jesus is, and, and he's after a fair, fair trial. But no, what, what he really wanted was just a safe, um, easy, comfortable um, uh, situation where the crowd that was turned into a mob wasn't going to get angry and upset at him. Truth was revealing 
his deepest thoughts. And Jesus came to reveal truth. He came to bear witness to truth. And, and I don't know what you think of when you think of truth. You know, everybody probably has a different idea, different understanding of what truth is. But if you could sum up truth with just one word, I think that one word that you're going to use is reality. Truth is reality. It's the way things really are. It's not how things appear to be. It's not what we want things to be. Truth is, is reality. I can say all I want that, that I am in the best shape of my life. Something that you hear a lot from guys in their 40s and 50s, you hear it all the time. I'm in the best shape of my life. I can say that all I want. I can believe that all I want. But the reality is I'm a 40-something-year-old guy who's balding really fast, who gets winded climbing up a a flight of stairs, who, who puts his back out of joint by simply turning around too fast. That's the truth. That's reality. I can say I'm in the best shape of my life all I want, but, man, I need naps all the time. It's just, <laughs> truth is reality. And then there's the, all the truth, the reality about God and who God's word says that, that God is. And the, the, the devil, the enemy, has been distorting the truth about God since the beginning of time. And here's the problem with that. We've been buying into it. We've been buying it. He comes along, he gets Adam and Eve to question the truth about God's goodness. You know, God had plopped them there in what was probably the most amazing, beautiful garden of all time. They have the whole thing to themselves. They have all these fruit trees to eat of. But, but the devil comes along, and rather than get them to trust the truth of God's goodness, he gets them to question, he gets them to doubt. He gets them to think that God is holding out on them, that he's secretly out for their bad. And the enemy does the same thing with people all the time. You're going through a rough patch in life. And the reality is that God is still for you. He's not against you. The reality is that God is still present in your life. The reality is that he's, he loves you and he cares about you. But what does the enemy try to get you to believe? That that's not true. He tr- to try to get you, tries to get you to believe the lie that God is against you, that he's not with you, that he has abandoned you. He takes truth and, and he distorts it. And it might seem like God on becoming a baby was an unnecessary hassle for God to go through in order to reveal the truth. Um, but it wasn't. In fact, it was totally, absolutely necessary for God to take this extraordinary measure because truth gets lost in the world all the time. Truth gets lost all the time. We forget so easily. Um, we forget who God is. And, and that's just people who know God, let alone people who don't know God. Truth gets lost in the world all the time. There's this verse in Isaiah that was written before Jesus was born um, that, that, that just paints a picture of this and how this happens. It says, truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Now, isn't that just a picture of the world that we, we live in today? Truth has, has become lost. It's become lost. You know, a phrase that's becoming more and more popular in our culture is this phrase, your truth. In other words, there's no the truth. It's just your truth. Whatever you think it should be, whatever you want it to be, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good, that's truth. There's no such thing as the truth. It's just your truth. 
But listen, truth by definition is there's only one truth. By by definition, there's there's truth, and then there's what else? There's there's falsehood. There's there's lies. There's only if if it's truth, it's one. It's there's only one truth. There can be a bunch of opinions, but 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 there can only be one truth. Otherwise, it it ceases to be truth. But but truth has has become it's become lost. It's nowhere to be found. Not not only outside the church, but even inside the church. For example. Jesus said that the reality, reality, the truth of this life is that he would, that, that life would be difficult, that life would be hard. Um, he said it would be like, uh, it's like taking up a cross. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be pain. Um, but, but we believe the lie, particularly here in the, the American, the North American church, that being a follower of Jesus is supposed to be easy. We believe the lie that it's supposed to be pain-free. It's not going to involve carrying a cross. It's just going to involve a couple visits to church um, every month. Or it's just going to involve a, a, a prayer or two when life gets to be difficult. If it gets uncomfortable or if it experiences pain, I'm out because we believe the lie that it's, that it's supposed to be easy. But Jesus, what does he do? He comes along and he reveals truth. And I don't know how you could look at the life of Christ, the founder of our faith who, who ended his, his, his life on a cross and think that, that it's just going to be all like comfort and safety and this, this, this easy kind of faith. It's, 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 it's not. Being a follower of Jesus is going to have moments where it's hard. It's going to involve sacrifice. And it's not going to blend well with our safety and comfort first way of living here in North America. It's not. You know, another example of, of the way that truth has gotten lost in the church is when it comes to the power of God and, and who he is in our lives. Um, to many Christians, lots of Christians out there live with this, like, woe is me, always kind of like walking around in defeat, kind of mentality, like the world is against me, complex. But what does Jesus do? He comes along and he reveals truth. Not only does he take up his cross, not only does he sacrifice his life, but then he's raised to life, resurrection power, the same resurrection power that according to um, Romans 8, 11, lives inside of us. Jesus reveals the truth. He reveals the reality of how things are for the follower of Jesus. You don't have to live defeated. You have the victory. You have the victory. You have Jesus. Life to the full. But what happens, truth, truth gets lost. And what does God do when truth gets lost? He says, okay, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son to testify to truth. I'm going to send my son so that when people doubt or question or they get confused about what reality really is, all they have to do is look to my son, listen to his words, and things will become clear. Truth will be made known. And you see, God... He had to do this because when truth gets lost, here's the deal. It can't be found here in this world. It can't be. It can only be found outside of this world. Um, this world is broken. It's under a spell, so to speak, um, because of sin. Um, God's arch enemy, the devil, is, is, is out to distort truth. And listen to how, how Jesus describes him. He says, there is no truth in him. When he lies he speaks his native language, for he is a liar 
and the father of lies. Looking for truth, looking for truth outside of God is like looking for a sunny 80-degree day in the Pacific Northwest in the dead of winter. Look all you want. <laughs> you're just not, you're not going to find it. Truth doesn't come from this world. It comes from, from above. It comes from above. And, and truth is what, is what God says it is. It's not what you feel it is. It's not what your friends say it is. Truth is not what your, your, your science teacher is, says it is. Truth, truth is not what some smart Yale or Harvard professor says that, that it is. Truth is not what some opinion poll says that truth is. Truth is what God says it is. The right way to live is what God says it is. The way to be saved is what God says it is. Love is what God says it is. Justice is what God says it is. Life is what God says it is. Purity is what God says it is. Life after death is what God says it is. The unseen world is what God says it is. And like the Apostle Paul comes along and says, he says, let God be true in every human being a lie. Truth is what God says it is. And truth comes from above. And God in his great love and mercy decided that rather than keep truth above, that he would send truth into this world to reveal once and for all what truth, what truth is. You see, truth is most clearly revealed in Jesus because Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus didn't come to reveal just another truth, another option, another way to live. If we, we get tired with this way of living or, no, Jesus came to reveal truth. He came to reveal um, what truth is. Everything he says is truth. Everything he does is truth. Everything. Because he is truth. He embodies truth. This is why Jesus could, could emphatically say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's because he is truth. Everything about him is truth. And in Jesus, we don't have to wonder what, what truth is anymore because it has all been revealed in him. It's all been revealed in him. And, and you know, sometimes I think even in the church, we, we get confused about truth and we, we sometimes will think that truth means that we, it's just an, it's, it's, a, it's a set of, of, of doctrinal statements that we intellectually adhere to and we agree to, or we think that truth is, is a set of, maybe values or beliefs that have been handed down from your dad or mom or your grandparents. But if that's all God had in mind when it comes to truth, he wouldn't have had to send his son. But what God was interested in was so much more than that. He wanted us to have our hearts and our lives caught up in the one who is truth. And because everything about him is truth, his life and his, his teaching and, and who he is, it carries this authority with it. It carries this authority. You won't see Jesus. You can read through all the Gospels, and you won't see Jesus at any point making any kind of apologies for anything that he says. You won't. We read that, that, little, that little snippet earlier on about how these disciples were offended, and they walked away. And you don't hear Jesus, like, jumping up and apologizing and, and, and trying to soft pedal and backpedal truth. He's like, no, this, this, is, this is truth. It carries this, this authority. You won't see him stumble over his words. Why? Because what he says is truth. Why, why would he? You, you won't see him embarrassed 
or ashamed of what he says. And, and when you think about it, if it's truth, why would he? Truth is truth, and Jesus is truth, and with this truth comes, comes this, this authority. I came across this, this great quote this week um, regarding truth and how, how it speaks to the reality of, of truth and, and how that's seen in the life of Jesus. And this quote is by this guy named Steve Lawson. He says this. He says, truth speaks with the supreme authority of God himself. It always makes demands upon us and never offers mere suggestions. Never presents just one more option to consider. It is never intended to be simply interesting. It never speaks to tickle our curiosity. Instead, truth roars with the sound of many waters drowning out every other voice. Truth must therefore be heard. Truth demands our response. Truth has the final word in all matters, telling us how to worship and how to, how to walk. It tells us how to follow Christ. It is the final arbitrator on any subject. It is the final judge of every life. All people are measured by the truth. Every life is weighed in the balances by the truth. Every destiny is marked by the truth. And so the truth will have the final say in every life. That's the truth. And you know, Jesus is the truth. And, and, and truth, like he just said here, it demands a response. Demands a response. And, and I love what C.S. Lewis has to say about Jesus. And he, he talks about how, how, how people will, a lot of times, they'll, you, you can dismiss Jesus and ignore Jesus, but, but at some point you have to decide how you're going to respond to Jesus and who he says he is. And in light of who he says he is and, and, and who he declares himself to be in Scripture, you really only have two options in how you respond to Jesus. You can either um, just cast him out as being a crazy man, or you can fall at his feet and declare him to be Lord, Savior, King of all. It's the only two responses in light of, of who he is. He's truth. And, and, and in case you're just not understanding or catching it this morning, these are words that will either bring discomfort or comfort. They are words that will either cause you to, to stumble and trip and fall and will cause those in your life to stumble and trip and fall. You know, try saying to your unchurched friends who don't believe in Jesus that you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and see how they respond to that. It's probably not going to win you a lot of friends, just saying. But, but this is truth. It will either cause you to fall or it will cause you to... To, to trust that Jesus is who he says he is and will cause you to go, okay, he is truth and I'm going to root my life, I'm going to establish my life in who God says he is and in what truth actually is. And we live in a world that, listen, our world, and you have to have your head in the sand to, to not see this, but our, our world is making truth out to be a bad thing. If you say that, that you believe in truth, you believe that this is this is, this is the way it is, that truth is absolute. That's actually seen as being a, a, a bad thing in, in the world that, that we live in. But, but here's the reality. You're talking about truth being reality. The reality is that, that truth is, um, that, that everything that's not truth is what's wrong today. The reality is that at the end of the day, truth is life. Truth is what, what leads to life. 
Jesus came to reveal truth, and not just to reveal truth, but he, he, he came to reveal the way to truth so that we could know life. It's why he comes along, he says, I'm the way, the way to truth, and that truth is the way to life. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Truth leads to life, and life to the full, and everything that's not truth, it doesn't lead to life, but it leads to, to death, and it leads to destruction. And where do you stand today in light of the truth? I just want you to take a moment as we come to a close this morning. Where do you stand in light of the truth? When you look at the truth of who Jesus is, and when you look at the truth of who he, what, what God's word says about him, where do you stand in light of the truth? And I'm pretty sure there's, there's a few different groups in this room. Maybe there's, there's some in this room who are, who, who, who stumble over that. You know, I, I don't know if I can land at this place where I go, Jesus is the way. That's pretty, pretty exclusive. He is the way, the truth, and, and, and the life. And, and, and if that's you, you know, I don't believe you're here just on accident. You're here because you're after something. You're after something. In a sincere, genuine pursuit of truth. If Jesus is truth, we'll lead to Jesus every single time. Every single time. And if you're in that, that place where you're, you've been stumbling and tripping and falling in pursuit of truth, today can be different. Today can be the day you go, okay, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going to follow him as truth. And for those of you with Christ, you know, you've come to that place where you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Where do you stand when it comes to truth? Where do you stand when it comes to what God's word has to say about truth. I had this thought a couple weeks just, as I was just in my, 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 my personal devotional time, and the thought came, what if I really would, if I would, let's try that again. What if I read God's word and took his word at face value and believed that what I read in God's word is truth and just begun to live my life in every single way according to God's word? What would happen? And maybe you're going, yeah, I, I think I do that. But here's the reality. I mean, we, we, we wander away from truth all the time. You know, maybe there's some of you in this room, you, you came in this morning, and you're, you know, we start singing some songs and all that, and you're just like in the back of your head, you're going, oh, here we go again. It's just another weekend service at CTK Ferndale. You start checking your watch. You're not living in reality of truth in that moment. Because the truth is that Almighty God is here present in this place. The truth is that where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, who's there? He is there. God is there. But, but we drift and we wander and we get off of truth and we start going and believing things that aren't true. You know, where are you at? Are you living by the truth of Jesus? Are you rooted in God's word and who God, God's word says that he is? Or are you believing something else? Are you believing something else? You know, truth, truth has been revealed. We don't, have to, we don't have to wonder what truth looks like. We don't have to wonder how truth is. Because Jesus came, truth has been revealed. And you want to know how to live in the truth? Here's how you live in the truth. You, you wrap your life around the person of Jesus. You follow Jesus 
with everything that you've got. You, you keep your life anchored in the truth of what God's word says about Jesus and who he is. You wrap your life around him. And not only do you keep your life anchored in God's word, but you live your life according to what his, his word says about him. And when you do that, there are some great pictures in the Bible of what your life will look like. Psalm 1 is one of those. It talks about your life being like a tree that is planted by streams of water. It's rooted deep. There's a grounding. There's a confidence. There's a strength. There's a peace because your life is rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. Let's be people that, that have our lives wrapped around Jesus, that have our lives focused on him as truth, that believe what his word says about him is true. Let's be those people that, that live our lives um, with Jesus at the, at the front in everything that we do. Amen? Hey, let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I just want to thank you that you sent your son. Lord, God, I read that verse in Isaiah, and God, it's just such a, a picture, God, of where we so quickly go to um, God, where we just, it's like we're stumbling and, and truth gets lost. And God, not only in the world, but God, even your, among your people, God, truth gets lost so easily. God, we start going through stuff in life and the truth of your presence in our life, the truth of how you're with us and for us gets lost. Or God, we come across some kind of, some kind of teaching, maybe, maybe a philosophy or a book or something that a, 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 a professor or uh, somebody is teaching, and all of a sudden we start to question the reality of who you are and what your word says about you. Truth gets lost. But God, because of your son, because you sent your son, God, we don't have to question what truth is. We don't have to go looking for truth anymore. You have revealed truth in your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for sending your son. God, thank you for the Everything that that says about who you are, how you love us, how you care for us, God, how you're not abandoning us, but God, you're, you're making your home with us, God with us, God, to reveal the truth of who you are, to reveal how we can be saved, how we can know life and life to the full. And Father, I want to pray, God, that, that for us in this room today, that Jesus, we would be people who are, are quick to fall at your feet the feet of the one who is truth. And God, I pray, Lord, for the person in this room this morning who has been, God, looking for truth. God, they don't know you, but God, something in their heart is saying, this world around me is not truth. It's not reality. There has to be something more. And they've been on this quest. They've been on this search for truth. God, I pray that that quest, that search for truth would come to an end this morning. God, as they see you, Jesus, the one who is the way, the one who is the life, the one who is truth. God, I pray that, that God, there'd be salvation, that, God, that they would turn from their ways and follow you, putting their faith and trust fully and completely in you. And God, I want to pray, Lord, for anybody here who, who is floundering in their faith. God, they have put their faith and trust in you, but, but God, they're, they're questioning. They're questioning who you are. They're questioning your promises. They're questioning... Um, God, your character, all, God, they're, they're, there's just deception, God, that's happening in their lives. God, I pray this morning that, Jesus, you would just be revealing to them the reality of who you are, regardless of what's happening in their life.
God, may they see you for who you really are in all your glory and in all your truth. And Father, I want to uh, just pray, God, that you would help us to be people who live according to the truth. And God, this is getting trickier and trickier to do in our day and age. God, we, we, we can be tempted, God, to, God, to soft, soften truth, God, or to, God, tone it down a little bit. But God, that's not what you're asking us to do. God, you're asking us to, to be like you and to be a light and to be truth, God, in our world. And so, God, I want to pray, God, that you would help us as a church to do that well. God, help us to be like you and and not not to be a people that just comes cloaked in truth, but, God, to be a people that lives in our world cloaked with grace and truth. God, help us to be on that in in our world. God, help students in this room. God, who are surrounded by students who don't believe that truth is absolute, who don't believe that there is such a thing as truth, God, help them to be vessels of truth in their classrooms, God, just like you would. Grace, love, and truth. God, for the men and the women in this room who are going to go into situations at work this week where they're surrounded by people who, God, who are just wishy-washy about truth, God, I pray that you would help them to be just like you. God, to have speech that is, that is seasoned with, with grace, that's seasoned um, with love, but God, where truth isn't toned down in the slightest. God, help us to do that. Help us to live that way, I pray. And God, as we do, I pray, God, that people would see you in us, that God, they would, they would not be drawn to us, but that, 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 they, that they would be drawn to the truth, to the Jesus that's living inside of us. God, help us to be this kind of people, I pray. In your name, amen, amen, amen.